Hello, and welcome back to the iHealth channel, Fit and Fab channel, as well as iHealth Radio. A new week, a new show, and new guests. And this time we have a very unique, actually, I mean, all the, the shows, I guess, are unique. But we have something totally different today that I personally am intrigued to know about because I have not heard about it before, or at least I'm not familiar with it. So I will be learning from scratch here <laughs> about today's topic. And, uh, you know, with a special guest, of course, uh, Victor Breer, and all the way from California. Uh, he'll be talking to us about Ayurveda medicine. It's a, uh, I guess, an ancient medicine that is, uh, that is utilized, uh, I guess, commonly in some places, but we, I'm, I, I'm not familiar with it, but certainly I wanted to bring this to, to the audience and, you know, for something uh, to learn about it, because we have so many ways of getting our care, our oneness, and some of it is modern medicine, some of it is West, you know, Eastern medicine, some of it is ancient, you know, there's so many things that we can do to stay well, you know, you know, healthy uh, and, you know, and our well-being is in the right place. So with that little introduction, I, I, I don't know much about this. So I want actually Victor to tell us a little bit first about you and then as well as about the Ayurveda as a system. Now, before that, first of all, thank you for, for joining us and being on the show. And uh, we're so happy to hear about this. So let's go. Tell us, Victor, what's the deal here? First of all, who are you in terms of your experience and your background? And then let's talk about the system. Tell. All right. Yeah. So let's just dive in. Um, I'm an Ayurvedic doctor. What does that mean? That means that I have specialized training in the medicinal system that's called Ayurveda. It's from India originally, but is all over the world. And I've run an Ayurvedic clinic in Northern California. I started actually in Los Angeles um, and then moved up to Northern California about four years ago. But all in all, I've been practicing for over 10 years. Wow. And Ayurveda's gotten pretty popular in California and certain states, Florida, Texas, things like that. And certainly New York, probably New, New Jersey, it's starting to come into vogue. Um, but what, what does that mean? What do I do when, when someone comes in? Because that'll help describe what Ayurveda is. Mm -hmm. So someone walks into my clinic and says, hey, I got this health problem. I need help. Or better yet, I don't want to get sick. What do I do to prevent it? Those people are a little bit rare. They don't usually walk in the door, but sometimes it happens and it's always great. So they sit down and we start talking. We start talking about their health history. We start talking about their family history, kind of like you would in a doctor's office, the forms you fill out. Mm -hmm. But Ayurveda is going to go a little bit of a different road. Ayurveda is very focused on finding the root cause of whatever imbalance you have in your body. So let's say you got a rash on your arm. You know, sure, I could give you some herbs because Ayurveda is an herbal-based medicine. It's thousands of years old, so we use plant medicine. And you, your rash might go away. Great. But there's a reason that your body developed that rash, and that's what I'm more interested in. Or there's a reason your body put on the extra 15 pounds. And it's not just, you know, you ate a few extra sweets um, and all that stuff. Usually the root causes are far more complex than that. So Ayurveda aims at discovering the root cause of whatever imbalances you have, and then changing your diet, changing uh, your lifestyle, meaning what time you eat, which is just as important as what you eat, what time you sleep, how much stress you're under, what kind of yogic practices you're performing. So postures or breathing, things like that to cultivate a state of harmony or homeostasis in your body. And then once that state's cultivated, your body can usually heal most of the issues you have going on. Okay, that's that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> but I love the way you did it. You simplified it so easy. Like, okay, that makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure it's not that easy, but but so so before we get into the actual concept and the understanding of the dynamics, uh what does it take to become an actual doctor in this field? Is there a specific, you know, you know education to it? Is there a specific system? Or is it just you, you become you know, an MD and then you get into it? Or what's, what are the steps? I mean, just as, as a, an interesting question <laughs> that comes to mind. Yeah, so if you, if, if you were in India, you would go through six years of medical school to become an Ayurvedic doctor. Uh, in the United States, it's not the same. In the United States, they have broken it up into tiers. So there's an Ayurvedic counselor, 
an Ayurvedic practitioner and an Ayurvedic doctor. So I'm an Ayurvedic doctor. Um, I started out as an Ayurvedic counselor and that, that's one year worth of training. An Ayurvedic practitioner is two years worth of training. And these days an Ayurvedic doctor is over four years of training. So it's like going to med school, but it's not going to med school. It's a very different path in the realm of medicine. And ultimately, you need to, you learn a little bit about the basic medicine and the anatomy and all that good stuff, and then you get into the real the the old medicine or the traditional ancient you know uh, holistic version of it. I'm assuming. Yeah. So so we learn you know everyone's got to learn anatomy and the basics of that, but you're pretty much learning the traditional medicine from day one. So what that means is what what are the factors that are influencing someone's health from an Ayurvedic perspective and what can you do about it? What, what do you tell them to do? Because a lot of advice you get from an Ayurvedic doctor is going to look very different from the advice you get from a Western physician. Um, and of course, you know, we could get into as much detail as you want about that on the show, but um, Ayurveda is holistic. And that means that we want to take the whole body's functioning into account we never just try and deal with one system isolated from the rest. Right. So, so you are in California and you said it's pretty popular there. Um, yeah. Are there any mechanics or you know, mechanisms where you guys are promoting the services in, 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 in parallel to, because if I'm sick, I probably would probably look at just conventional medicine. You know, sure. how, how do you compete with that? Um, I don't try and compete, to be frank. So what I do is basically offer up, say, hey, I'm here. And, you know, these days, everyone's gotten pretty accustomed to doing health consultations over Zoom, which is great. So that means I could talk to you in New Jersey and we could do a health consultation while I'm sitting here in California. And um, that's wonderful. So the whole idea is to Ayurveda has been around for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. It's nothing new. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the United States, it's relatively new. In the United States, it kind of became popular more in the 60s and has been slowly growing in popularity ever since. So with th this is one of the ways, like how I'm talking to you is exactly one of the ways so that someone says, hey, what is this thing that I've never heard of? Goes and does a little bit of research on it. Maybe talks to a professional, maybe goes online. If you type in Ayurveda online, You'll see tons of information, tons oh, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like, it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage. So, and then the, the hope is that it's like, hey, I've got this health problem. I haven't been able to resolve it through conventional means. Why don't I try Ayurveda? It's a very different approach. So, so ultimately, unless you know about it, you're probably going to use it as a secondary you know, approach when conventional may not work. And then you, and that's, I've had a few guests that actually find that way on their health through non-conventional medicine by, by discovering new means of treating, you know, different illnesses and so on and so forth. So that's actually pretty, you know, intense in itself, but to your point, it's been around and it's been, it's been around. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently if it hasn't been working, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made it today. So it has been working. Uh, but again, I guess the dynamics, because it's not really your regular medicine. So it's not as, as popular or it's not as common. I mean, I'm in the healthcare, uh, the, the most that we know about the, the traditional medicine, like ancient medicine, would be something about acupuncture, <laughs> which we use as a benefit. But, right. but, you know, like, you know, some maybe some therapy, some, some, some other kind of physical therapy type of things that, that might be, you know, some, some yoga maybe. And I know you guys, you guys do some yoga stuff and we'll talk about that. But, but really, that's, that's the, the ultimate, you know, limitation that we would have in terms of understanding where we go from there. But then as I'm doing these shows, I really have come across a lot of interesting, you know, ways of keeping your health and, you know, your wellness and even treating some serious elements of, of disease that you might not have been able to get through with conventional medicine or medicine in general, or even medication. So, so let's go through the process. Um, again, there's two people, as you said, there are the people that are looking to just be ahead of the game. And those are the, the rare ones. And then you have the ones that are basically looking for an alternative medicine that, you know, to kind of figure what they can do because nothing else is working. Uh, and I come to you. I mean, what will be the first, I mean, you said counselors. So is that the first stage I got to meet a counselor to see if this is for me or not? Good question. No. So that's just a level of training. 
uh, counselor, practitioner, or doctor. So you could go straight to an Ayurvedic doctor or a practitioner. It just depends on who you trust, who you like, right? Yeah. And um, so let's say you came and sat down in, in my clinic and you said, hey, you know, I've got um, digestive issues. I've got uh, acid reflux and I'm tired of taking Nexium or whatever it is that you got prescribed, right? I'm tired of it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't feel great taking it. And I've been taking it for a year and I don't want to take this pill the rest of my life. So I'd say, okay, let's talk. So we talked about your health history. We first thing I'd say is, all right, well, let's just check it out. What are you, give me, give me your basic eating habits for a day. And so you'd say, okay, well, I wake up, I have two cups of coffee. I have eggs with uh, Tabasco sauce on them. And then I go to work and I immediately get stressed out. And so then at lunch, I run and get some fast food. I get a burrito. I have more Tabasco sauce. I love spicy food, right? And then, you know, for dinner, I come home. I'm wiped out. I have two beers and another cup of coffee and I go to sleep. All the best stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, right? All right. So it's like, okay, so Nexium might dilute your stomach acid, which is hydrochloric acid, right? But that is dealing with the symptom. The cause is your lifestyle and eating habit. So if you want your hyperacidity to go away, then we work on changing that stuff and then you feel better. So obviously coffee is highly acidic. Eggs are highly acidic. Tabasco is highly acidic. Stress is highly acidifying to your body. Um, alcohol is highly acidic, on and on and on. So the idea is that Ayurveda gives you responsibility, but it also gives you a level of control over your health in the long run and the short run, but especially in the long run. And that's really desirable, right? Because if I could control my health to a certain point, when I hit 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, and that's a gift, that's a blessing. If I can pull that off, that's great, right? Because if our health goes down, we go down. That's it. We're done, right? Take all your dreams and basically toss them away because you can't. You're, 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 you're crippled. I, I, I Health as well. <laughs> yeah. Health as well. Health as well. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. So, so we, we address those things in a consultation and then depending on the illness or depending on the imbalance or depending on the pathology, it get, it can be simple or it can be deep and complex and it gets into the mental aspects of it and the sources of stress and the relational issues and, and things like that. And cause that's all a big part of, of health too. I mean, someone who just went illness rates for someone going through a divorce skyrocket. It's just a fact. It's just a reality. So you got to address that. That has to be addressed. That's part of your lifestyle. That's part of your life choices. So Ayurveda addresses all that and tries to create solutions to, to real problems like that. So, so it's really beyond just the, the medicine itself and the treatment, but it's, it's really taking a holistic approach from inside out, upside down mental state and your, your influences and everything that can impact your health and then kind of put a plan together. Is yeah. That and, and that's custom to each person who walks in the door. So Ayurveda is all about individual approaches to health. There are, there is no broad sweeping, you know, you don't take, you can't just take Advil for everyone. That's not going to work in Ayurveda. Right. Yeah. Well, so, so, so every, obviously everybody's circumstances are different and their their illness could be different and uh, it could be i mean i'm assuming it's all physical not mental or it could be a combination of both it's almost always a combination of both almost always yeah i mean yeah well healthy yeah. mind healthy body right those things yeah. work together um yeah, sure. so, so agreed uh, but so um you do all that work with different types of problematic you know situations now, is there any, I know you customize it, but are there like steps to the treatment that are similar? And then maybe there's some variations based on the need or completely customized to individual, you know, persons or people? Yeah, no, there are definitely general, general rules that are just kind of pretty much healthy for everyone. Uh, broad sweeping health advice, like for example, for the most part, for the most part, um, Ayurveda prescribes that people should be eating lunch at basically noon, 1230 around there, mm -hmm. not at 230, not at 11 o'clock one day and three o'clock the next day, or 
any of that. So there, there is just kind of some basic realities, like the reality of the average human being circadian rhythm and metabolic, metabolic clocks and things like that. When to go to bed and there might be slight variations. And, you know, we might make variations based on lifestyle needs or the current demands of the moment, but there are definitely going to be general healthful things that one can do for their body and mind adopting a breathing practice, things like that. But then within the generalness of that, it starts to get very, very, very specific and tailored. So you, I mean, the way you describe it, I mean, you're really like, it's, it's, it's systematic. I mean, you do need to follow just like medicine. You got to take it before breakfast at this hour. Otherwise that's not effective. So it really goes to that level of, of detail. This is your program. This is your weekly plan, your daily plan. And to get the change that you need to get the results you need. This is exactly how it is. So you do an assessment, then you put some sort of a prognosis, you know, and then you give a treatment format. Uh, am I getting that right? Yeah, and it, that is exactly right, but I'll throw a curveball for you because uh, why not, right? Let's get it. Yeah, why not? So here's the curveball. So there are a lot of people who would sit down and yeah, we'll do the protocol. Well, say, I say here, here's a list of all the foods you should and shouldn't be eating. This is what time you need to eat. This is what time you need to go to sleep and you'll feel great. Okay. That's one person. Someone else comes in and I would never do that with them because that's just going to stress them out and it's going to seem impossible and they will feel like a failure because they won't be able to uphold it. And that is terrible for them. Cause that was so, my next question. Adherence. Yeah, exactly. And so each person does really well. Well, maybe yes, if they could in some perfect world, follow this perfect list, it might not be the right approach for them. And, and I got to take that case by case. I got to sit down and have a conversation with someone and talk about how real something is for them, how real a solution is for them. Otherwise they're just going to throw it out the window and feel bad about it. That's not, that doesn't help anyone. Well, yeah. I mean, if anyone is, especially when you're looking and desperate, you want to see results. And, yep. some, and, and that, by the way, that's funny because we have similar stuff in the fitness world, right? Like people say, I want to lose weight. Well, okay, great. We can work out all day, all night. But if you're, you're eating 10 McDonald's, you know, you big golfs from 7-Eleven and getting all the, the snacks <laughs> at night watching movies, it's over. I mean, it's intake. There's so many things that, 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 that are involved in the fitness and, and the shape and loss of weight and things like that. But people like, Oh, I just want to lose my belly. Okay, great. Well, <laughs> doesn't work though. But that's to your point. I think that's really the challenge, like getting people to understand that it needs to be a full system before you get the results you need. And it's got to take time. Nothing happens overnight. Correct. Absolutely. Ayurveda is not an overnight kind of medicine. Well, it sounds like more a lifestyle. I mean, continuously. It's not, even if you started it and let's say, oh, I get good results after a year and then I give up. I mean, I'm going back to where I was, right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's really once you start it, it's you're in it for, for the rest of your life. I mean, I'm, I'm getting that read. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the ideal. And you know, the funny thing is when someone first sits down and they're in pain, they got an illness, they're, they're suffering mentally and physically, you know, when it's like, okay, some of these changes look like, it's like, oh my God, that, how am I going to do that? Like, that's so, I don't want to give up that thing that I love. Right. Or I don't, but and then that gets projected into the future. Like it's always going to feel that way. Like, you know, fit in the fitness world, right? The first day you're exercising, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. It's that feeling. But then after a month, two months, however long it takes, it's like, how could I have ever lived without this? You know, this feels so good. I want to keep doing it. So it doesn't take effort to maintain for the rest of your life. Life, It feels good. You want to do it. You don't want to go back to your old self. I think that's so important for people to try and get inside them at the beginning when they're stepping on a hard health journey. Wow. Well, I mean, that is the success formula if you want to call it that way, because it's 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 you gotta have to commit and you have to understand that you know it's it's ongoing. Nothing is gonna be, I mean, like I uh, I made this quote very simple: like fitness is a relationship, you can't cheat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> so th this is the same thing. I mean, your health, I mean, it's a relationship, right? I mean, it's the most valuable thing you have. And if you cheat on it, I mean, another quote is uh, you, if you bail on your health, your health eventually bails on you. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, those are like kind of concepts that I, you know, kind of live with, you know, personally. And uh, 
but they're they're they they align well enough with your philosophy here. Uh, now, you've obviously treated quite a few folks, and in, in, and and are there any levels in terms of illnesses that you've encountered? Uh, you know, as light, you know, some could be just to your point, maybe acid reflux, and and maybe some is stress, and maybe others can be I don't know as extreme. Maybe you tell us some examples of extreme. Uh, things that people had that maybe conventional medicine did not get to them, and then ultimately using your concept, it worked, and you saw results. What is yeah, that? absolutely. Um, you know, and that's a that's kind of an interesting question because when I started out ten years ago, that was one of my fears. I was like, man, am I really going to take in someone who has cancer and and really try and you know like go for it with them? And I was I was really nervous about that. You know. Um, but maybe five, six years into my practice, actually that those severity of illnesses started showing up on my doorstep. And so, yeah, I've, I've dealt with, uh, quite a few clients who've gone through cancer of different types and who have come out of it using Ayurveda. They did not want to go and get chemo and radiation. They, they did, they chose not to do that route. Um, and, uh, they're amazing success, you know? one, one person complete remission, um, actually more than one person, but I can't get too far into the details of, of cases, but to say there, there is a huge fear component when a big illness hits you and it's hard to look and say, okay, I'm going to go a less conventional route than I'm used to. But the people who do are often very pleasantly surprised by the success and the, the fact that it doesn't destroy their body, it doesn't take them down to zero in order to survive an illness like that. Mm -hmm. um, so of course I can't sit here and promise, oh yeah, Ayurveda cures all cancer. That would be crazy. I would never promise that. But people who are suffering from more severe illnesses, not just cancer, severe cases of diabetes, um, you know, MS, uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, things like that, can find a lot of success with Ayurveda where they could not in the Western world because it is such a different approach. Well, and, and to balance with you, one of the things that we'd like to establish today is maybe share the message that, hey, listen, you can try, there's so many ways, but there is another way that you might consider. And sometimes people get to that block and, and they don't know what to do because to your point, chemo is, is, is destructive. Yeah, it might solve the problem, but it destroys quite a bit. And, and if your body is not strong enough, it might just take it down with it. And so, so that is, you know, same thing with radiation therapy and things like that. So when you're talking about uh, medicinal, you know, stuff that is ancient and more of a um, natural uh, process and natural treatment, I mean, they might be softer on the body and therefore it can address the issues and other things and keep your body strong enough to fight. And it's, oh, no, I'm not a doctor. I'm not even going to claim to talk medicine here. But but that's just the, the, the concept I know. And I've experienced, I mean, I've had close people, uh, you know, pass on, you know, because of chemo uh, and no, re, you know, remission and all that stuff was was just bad, bad, bad. And ultimately they they went on and uh, it was it was crazy. But to see how the body and the person deteriorated uh, because of the treatment and there was nothing no one can do. Uh, and frankly, I mean, I wish I, I knew that maybe there's something to, to guide these folks about and hopefully give them something different. At least I hope that there may be something else. And sometimes that's all it takes is, is you know, you have hope and you try. You're, after all, you're not, there's nothing to lose when, when you're at a point of, 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 of a, you know, health that is like you're desperate and you don't see any results in conventional. You might have to go unconventional, orthodox stuff. Well, unorthodox, right? <laughs> you know, that's, that's really the, the concept here. So. Um, so, wow. Uh, now we took, I think we mentioned the word yoga. How does that fit in, in this, in, in, in the, you know, protocol? Is that something that is mandatory in the treatment? Uh, mandatory? No, I wouldn't use that word, but so here's what I'd like to say about yoga, because yoga has obviously become very popular in the United States. Big time. So Ayurveda and yoga are sister sciences. They developed together. Oh, so the, the, one of the great yogis of all time, Patanjali, um, there are the, uh, sutras of Patanjali, which are the yoga sutras of Patanjali, which one are, are some of the most famous, um, yoga texts ever known was an Ayurvedic practitioner. 
himself. So, and Ayurveda and yoga are like, they're, you can almost basically consider them the same science for the most part. So they're, oh, they're, they're practiced together all the time. Um, in the United States, yoga has become very exercise driven. The primary original practice of yoga was all about breath. It was not about holding postures. Those are called asana and those came later. Um, and they're great. They have massive health benefits, especially when uh, someone who's an experienced yoga teacher knows which asanas to give someone and help them through and all that. But it's become this thing where it's like, you know, make your core fit with yoga. That is not what yoga was created for. It was created because, or rather Ayurveda was created alongside yoga because the idea is you need to be healthy if you're going to have a, a healthy breath practice so that you can enter into deep meditation. And in that deep meditation, you're really going to balance yourself and you're really going to get in touch with the deeper aspects of your life. So there's this um, harmony between Ayurveda and yoga. And if you sit down in an Ayurvedic office, chances are you're going to walk out with yogic practices, breath practices mainly, especially for people just starting out. So for someone that is completely unfamiliar with it and just testing it out, that will be part of the first thing. Because I mean, I'm assuming that that's going to help in terms of the body and, and, and the, the balance and the breathing, the, 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 the blood supply and all that stuff. And then hopefully the mind and all that stuff gets in place, you know, the right way. And you, get, you give them whatever prescription in terms of the herbal medicine, right? right. Now, now that leads us to the herbal piece. So I'm sure there's there's thousands of herbs. I mean, I mean you're talking about India here. I mean they, 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 the 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 oh. spices and herbs. I mean, yeah, they, exactly. They, I mean they, they supply the whole world for all these centuries about it. So so and it's funny because I go to I buy some some Indian stuff you know from the store in New York and Jersey, and it, it's amazing the amount of spices and herbs that they have. I mean the same thing if you go to like uh, like to Chinatown for example. There's there's similar you know stuff in there. That is great. And, and a lot of people don't even know, we don't even use maybe a, a percentage of all those herbs out there. So I'm assuming that you guys do a lot more of that. And, you know, and it's really a lot of it. So to what degree is that actually, you know, if we talk about percentages, for example, uh, what is the percentage of, of use of the herbs in the treatment? Is it like, you know, part of the treatment, let's say 10% is yoga and meditation and reading and 20% is, is, you know, the, what, the mental piece, and then maybe 30% is the, the herbal treatment. So what kind of mix is that? Uh, so it depends. That's usually the answer you're going to get when you talk to someone in Ayurveda. So there are a lot of Ayurvedic therapies, like physical body therapies. So there's one called Abhyanga, for example, which is traditionally it's done as a massage with two people, two massage therapists, massaging the entire body in sync, in tandem. And there are special reasons for that. And they will use an herbal infused oil to do that. And so that's just one therapy. There are many, many, many Ayurvedic therapies. And so, and for different reasons and different purposes. And then there are the herbs that you drink like a tea, you know, and then there are the herbs that you put on your body like a paste. And then there are the herbs that uh, you take through your nose. Um, there are herbs that you do enemas with. Um, there are herbs, herbs for everything. <laughs> so, so depending on the person and what they need and where their issue is localized in their body and why, we're going to either go heavier on the herbal use or lighter. So someone typically, there are, you know, there are herbs that are just good for your digestion that pretty much anyone can take. If you go to a Whole Foods these days, you can find triphala on the shelf. Triphala is an Ayurvedic, ancient Ayurvedic compound of three different plants. Um, and it's just like kind of, for the most part, anyone can take it. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll just say that for now. But it's becoming popular. Turmeric, right? The huge oh, turmeric craze everywhere. Turmeric's everywhere. That's an Ayurvedic herb. So, and you know, it's mixed with black pepper now, which I would say don't do that, but we can get into that another time. Um, but, you know, Ayurveda has been using it in cooking cuisine and to use medicinally forever. I mean, so there are these common herbs that we know that we don't think of as Ayurvedic, but we're using them all the time. 
Um, fenugreek is another big one, right? In Sanskrit, it's called metti. Um, uh, holy basil, tulsi. So yes, there's going to be herbs in your world if you enter the Ayurvedic world, but a lot of those herbs are going to be used in cooking. Not necessarily as a, you know, pill or something like that you take. So in your daily, you know, routine work, you just make sure you use those things and that helps the process. Oh yeah. Big time. Herbs are big helpers. That's the way I like to think of them. They're not going to, like you said, if you go to a gym and your trainer's like, Hey man, we could do this all day long, but if you go have 10 cheeseburgers and, and four Cokes, this isn't going to work. You know, that's just honest. <laughs> Same thing with herbs. I could give you the best herb in the world, but if you go have 10 cheeseburgers and four Cokes, don't expect the herb to do anything. Right. So the herb supports the lifestyle you're adopting to become a healthier person. Well, again, I mean, like everything else, if you really want results, you have to commit to it and you have to do everything. You can't cheat or cut corners. <laughs> that doesn't work that way. And the same thing with even conventional medicine. If you, they give you a course of antibiotics and you, you take them two days and you don't finish the course, I mean, it doesn't do the job, right? But, right. You know, here it's just a longer, you know, period of treatment with different aspects and different, you know, conditions, different tools. And when combined together, the results are there. Now, yeah. That leads me to the question, someone starts a treatment, ultimately depending on the condition, that treatment will vary and the, the, the cure type, if to see real tangible results. You know, ultimately the cure may not happen immediately, it can take years, but, but to, to start seeing a change, you know, typically, you know, if they apply everything, what would that be in general terms for someone that is mild or someone that is ex extremely sick? Uh, again, if there's any way to even quantify that. Yeah, there is. Thank you for asking that question, actually. It's a great question. Uh, as soon as the next day is a reality. Oh, yeah. well, I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I was so like, wow, that's, okay. that's, that's the thing. And of course, that's not universal, of course. But the, the thing is, is with Ayurveda, people like to think of it as slow for some reason. And okay, fair enough. I could see why that happens because there is a slowness to it. There is an aspect of take a long time to rejuvenate and build, especially with some of the deeper diseases. But if someone has terrible lifestyle habits, especially here's one that, that you notice the next day, someone comes in, what's your eating habit? Da, 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 so on and so forth. I eat a heavy dinner with a lot of meat at 8 PM at night. Then I have two scoops of ice cream. Mm -mm. Okay. So that's no good. Right. We know that. So surprised. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Part of the protocol, because some study came out saying that if you eat two scoops of ice cream at nine o'clock at night, it's good for your prostate or something. I love those studies. Um, but it's, it's a right. That's not a real study. I'm making fun of studies okay. like that. Um, the, uh, if, if I'm talking to that person, if we're in a conversation, I'm like, okay, look, can we stop that? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can stop that. I know I shouldn't be doing it anyways. They're going to feel a lot better the next day. But that's Ayurveda. Their body's going to start healing immediately when they stop that habit. Immediately. Because the body wants to heal. It wants to. And we just get in its way a lot. The body is always striving for equilibrium and homeostasis. Always. And, and to your point, that's why we sometimes have fatigue and other signs. So it's kind of like, hey, warning sign, warning sign. You got, Absolutely. you got to do something about this. Breathe. Absolutely. I mean, now we have the Apple watch that does that for us. <laughs> says breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but really, I mean, your body gives you signs when, when something is wrong and then some people will respond and some people will probably ignore until it's way too late. Uh, and yeah. And that's resilience, right? So your body's capable of, when you ignore the cues, your body's communicating to you a lot, like you're fatigued, you're fatigued, you're stressed, you're fatigued, you're fatigued, you know, stop. And it's, you're right. You can ignore the cues. No problem. Maybe you got to do something, right? Maybe it's really not that maybe you have a choice technically, but not really, you know, there's something you got to do. That's fine. But it's exactly like you said, it's when you ignore it for too long. That's when something goes, that's when something breaks. That's when the body cannot cover your butt anymore and something goes awry and then you need, then you need an intervention. Then you need help from herbs or, you know, you need therapies or something like that. You need actually a physical manipulation back into balance. Well, the issue that there is that a lot of people, sometimes they want to make it stop the things or change, 
they just are unable to do it. They just are so, I would call it weak sometimes, you know, in, in terms of temptation or whatever their habits are. And they just cannot really, oh my God, I, I love chocolate. I can't stop. I love coffee. I mean, I'm guilty. Coffee is like my thing. So I know it's not, I mean, there is some benefits to it, but probably the damage is worse. But but that's it. It's like, you know, you want to stop, but you just can't. And you try. And it's it, that's really what it is, that, that discipline that you can make change and really make it work and you have to commit to it that's that's a big big step and most of the people have fear of that step or just just they're not sure you know it's like everything else you you drink alcohol you want to stop it's not going to happen that easy you smoke it's a little hard you know everything you know even burgers if you like burgers and you like meat you know it's hard and even though you have some some real claims on your body and you have some diseases that can the doctors say well you eat too much meat Yet you still love to get a nice little, and diabetes is, is a big deal. A lot of people with diabetes, they still crave sweets. And, you know, as much as you get sweeteners, they don't really, you know, get the job done. I mean, sometimes you do cheat and get a little cookie here, whatever. Not, not helping, but that's the problem. So I think, I think the, like, it's funny, fasting is another one, right? Some people, they, they can't fast. It's hard. I mean, we have all these diets and stuff. And they want to stop everything. And it's like, well, I'm not going to stop. I can't stop eating. I can't stop drinking or whatever. So, right. so it's dangerously, you know, uh, I guess, ad uh, addictive <laughs> in a way, because you have these things that you've grown uh, used to for years. And then exactly. you, 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 you come in overnight and you tell them, stop. Oops. Uh, I'm sorry, no. I, I can't do this. <laughs> so that you you brought up a few really good things in that. So that's a huge world of exploration. I mean, I could talk to you about that for hours. But you said, you know, some people would call that weak. Well, that's important because I wouldn't I wouldn't call it weak. Having a habit that you've been depending on for a long time to give you a sense of comfort. There are actually a lot of physiological reasons why someone's motivated to hold on to those habits. And it's not always, not always, sometimes it is, sometimes it's necessary, but it's not always the best thing for them to take on the attitude of, I just need to white knuckle it and discipline myself out of this. A lot of times that creates a cycle that is detrimental to their healing process because you can only white knuckle something for so long. And there's, again, Ayurveda is all about the root cause. There is a reason why that person's holding on to that habit so hard even though they know that it's hurting their body. And unless that reason gets talked about, and unless that reason gets explored and resolved, you're asking them to hold on through brute willpower. It's not going to work. Not in the long run, maybe short run, but not the long run. And so that's, that's part of how I, how I talk to people is, okay, like, let's talk about that. What is that food doing for you? And, and why is it that food? What have you substituted that food for in your life. A lot of times it's relationship, loneliness, especially now COVID, right? We see addiction skyrocketing. That's, that's not a coincidence. People are so lonely, so isolated that they're turning to the substitute. The number one substitute is food. Well, I was going to ask you about COVID. I mean, ultimately 2020 has been bad. We're still actually having the reminiscences of, of the COVID and we're not off it yet. So, so, have you seen, did you see a change? And certainly you obviously, you know, claimed right now that it's there. We know that there's a spike in a lot of different social issues and, and eating habits and people getting one. And we've tried actually even as, as a company ourselves to try to help people keep their mindset, you know, with fitness and things like that and get them, keep them busy. But you're right. People, some people have been literally in their homes for months, not even leaving the house. Right. Uh, and also some people don't want to buy fresh food so they buy canned stuff and things like that which might have a lot of bad stuff for you so 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 you have all these things so have you seen a, a surge in in seeking treatment with you guys for example i mean definitely yep absolutely definitely a surge uh people woke up especially people who want to prevent um, or keep their immune system strong during this time to try and prevent getting something like COVID, COVID or something like it. And especially immune compromised people who know that if they get COVID it's very dangerous for them. So getting a lot of phone calls from people who are on the fence 
And it's like, okay, this was the pushover. And honestly, to tell you the truth, and this is great. People should do it for this reason. They, they want to reach out. They want to talk to someone. They should. Just like they should call their trainer. They should engage in activities like that, even if it's online. It is so important for the mental health, which means the mind in Ayurveda, the mind and the body are not considered separate, which means it's, it's good for your physical health. You need human interaction. It is a necessity, not an option. Well, you're right. I mean, unfortunately, this whole thing had almost triggered a, uh, an isolation mode for plenty. And, and some people were able to, kind of, I guess, survive it and go out and do whatever they can. But a lot of people, because of fear, uh, and, and, you know, they just don't want to interact with no one. And ultimately, they just enclose themselves. And, you know, weight gain has been a problem. Bad habits have been picked up. And you had mentioned the keyword stress. Uh, and, that, and I think that is, the, you know, one of the biggest things. I mean, you talk about divorce and all these things. I mean, I think all this stuff is like almost like a, a ripple effect that, that happened over the last years. And of course, some of it is not new. It's always been there. But I think the pandemic had made it so clear and so vivid that, you know, we can't even deny it. And now it's, it's clear that we are facing a problem after the COVID you know, pandemic that we're still going to continue because now health issues, mental issues, you know, going to be so, socioeconomic things are happening as well. So we have a lot of things that we need to, to address. Uh, now, with your prototype, well, not prototype, your system, the people, the people that have reached out, I mean, have you seen any uh, folks that had, for example, COVID, not the stress, not the stuff, but really that have been, you know, impacted with the actual virus and maybe they could not get the proper treatment or they still had some sort of after effects? You know, because we a lot of doctors would say that you know even if you get COVID and you get cured, there's some some damage that is that is certainly going to linger with you. Now, have you experienced some of that, and maybe have you seen some results that were literally changing people's uh, lives at this point? Sure. So one one case, uh, just for example, is you know as as most people know that COVID really affects the respiratory system. That's one of its main main target, right? Yep. So cardio, cardio, cardio and respiratory system. So, um, I, I had a client who suffered from asthma for a long time, um, or wasn't my client at that time, but suffered from asthma, got COVID recovered and then came to see me. So, and it was like, okay, look, I, I had this long standing imbalance in my lungs, got COVID and I'm concerned that I'm going to be damaged more permanently. So that's the fear, right? Mm -hmm. So legitimate fear. So we start addressing those issues. But now here's the important part. And this is what Ayurveda says. So when we have weaknesses in our body and everyone's got them somewhere in your body, you know, there's either a weak organ or system or whatnot. That system is, of course, pretty commonsensically more susceptible to disease mm -hmm. or, or increasing disease of increasing intensity. And so that's typically, that's typically what we would address in Ayurveda. So if someone were to, so that person, particularly, we get them on the right diet, we get them on the right herbal formulas, uh, the right kind of conversations, eating at the right times, so on, what we've already discussed in this, in this episode, mm -hmm. and starts to see improvement. And then what does that do? That brings a wave of relief that he's not permanently damaged. Now that wave of relief isn't just a wave of relief. That changes the body's nervous system state into one of calm and relaxation, which that's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And then that actually enhances future healing, still remaining in that state. Whereas someone in fear is actually suppressing their immune system because they're too spending too much time in their sympathetic nervous system. So we have this actually mechanism inside us that is switching back and forth between these nervous systems. That's called the vagus nerve. And it's this huge nerve that runs through our bodies. And depending on when we're scared or when we're calm determines the trajectory of our long-term health. So part of one of the things that Ayurveda focuses on is making sure that someone experiences relief or calm or hope, like you said earlier, because there's a physiological effect on that person's body that will bring them into a healing state. So massively important and massively important for anyone who's suffering from fear. 
seek help, please. Because the fear itself is actually harming the body. So quick question on the concept in terms of, of a, a health solution. We, I mean, people tend to also worry about financials. So there's a little bit of a spin here. And, you know, anytime you get off the conventional, you know, there's cost. Is that something that can prohibit someone from accessing, you know, your services, for example? Yes, certainly. So I've had a lot of conversations about that, of course, over the years. I'm very aware of that reality and financial finances are rightfully so a big source of either happiness or unhappiness. Um, so a few things. One is, okay, this is kind of a classic example. Let's say someone's got a condition and part of their condition is that they're, they're drinking a bit too much alcohol. Okay. So have a, they come in, have a conversation in the course of the conversation, you know, maybe they're not like in extreme dire straits financially, but they're not doing great either. So to pay 175 bucks for a consultation um, and then $65 ongoing is like, it stings a little bit, you know, they're not just completely comfortable with that. That's, Very, actually, that's pretty fair in terms of specialty. If yeah, sure. Especially you probably pay more than that. Yeah. So, so, but here's the deal. So if I have a conversation with that person and that person realizes that, okay, for my health, I'm going to stop drinking. Well, okay. But also look at your checkbook because you probably just saved $200 a month. Oh, that's so right. actually, actually, maybe I could charge $1,400 for that visit because in the long run, it'll still be saving money. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But if you're saving $200 a month, then being a healthy person just saved you money. People typically don't think like that when they're in a the state of fear. Right. The other thing my clinic does, I, I work on a sliding scale. I, I'm not going to turn people away for health or when they enter in need of health help because of a few bucks. It's just not going to happen. So that's one thing I do personally. Not every practitioner does that. I completely respect that. They got their own financial realities to think about, stuff like that. But people, I, I, I think that people should take a good look and say, you know what, maybe this is going to cost a little bit of money. It's not covered by my insurance, but actually I'm going to save a lot of money because also if I'm healthy, I can tend, usually a healthy person can make more money. So all those factors weigh in. It's actually a really interesting conversation. Well, not only that, but I mean, perfect uh, response there, but there's more to it. I mean, I would say if you spend money on yourself, you know, to get healthier, well, you know, that means you can earn more to, to your point and therefore that problem is resolved. But if you're unhealthy, there's a good chance you might lose your job. And now you'll have a horse kiss scenario because sometimes you may not be able to perform my work you know, because of your condition, whatever, your, your mind is not there, your body is not, you are absent all the time. And some jobs may not take that for a long time. And eventually you end up, you know, not employed, whatever. So there is that. And so you invest in your health. And it's funny because that is very similar analogy that we have in the fitness world, because people come to the gym. Oh, that's expensive. Yeah. So, you know, is that really expensive for your health? I mean, people go spend, you know, for example, in the, in the ladies' world, I mean, they can go to manicure, pedicure, spend a couple hundred dollars in, 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 no, in no, nothing, right? Guys can, to your point, can go and buy a pair of sneakers and, you know, a jersey, and now it's like 300 bucks. But for your health, you might want to spend, you know, 60 bucks, 100 bucks. It's a long run. I mean, I drink coffee. A, a cup of coffee right now is like three, four bucks, <laughs> you know? So, so if you spend a day, that is, I mean, you, add that, you remove that, I mean, I have enough to pay for the services. So it's just a matter of there's a will, there's a way. And sometimes that's the adjustment that people have to make. But if it's certainly, I mean, first of all, we're talking about some illnesses that may cost a lot more money. You mentioned cancer. I mean, a pill can be 300 bucks. Okay. Right. So chemotherapy right. sessions are very expensive. You don't have insurance, forget about it. Right. right. Uh, so, so alternatively, the other choice is definitely more financial, you know, uh, finance savvy, if you want to call it finance, you know, nice, you know, in terms of the approach to it. So, so again, it, obviously the cost is important and, and I'm not sure if you guys accept any form of insurance and things like that, or have you as, as an industry, as, as a, as a, as a, uh, a group of, of, of different medicine, uh, entertain maybe working with health plans and insurance companies to, to kind of add you guys as, as a, an alternative medicine type of approach. 
That is a huge topic and a huge debate going on right now in the Ayurvedic world. Um, so Chinese medicine got more popular before Ayurveda in the United States, and they went the route of becoming part of a lot of insurance mm -hmm. uh, protocols and things like that. And there have been a lot of problems. There have been benefits of that, and there have been a lot of problems with that because once insurance gets in the game, they start to like to control how things go down. Yeah. And insurance companies really don't have the individual's health in mind too much, you know? So that's a whole thing. Um, in the Ayurveda world right now, Ayurveda, you cannot, there are like HSA plans, which, you know, some companies provide where it gives you like an account that you could spend on those mm -hmm. kinds of health. Um, but Ayurveda as a whole industry does not take insurance in the United States at this time. In the Ayurveda world, there's a big conversation going on about that. Um, that's probably a different show episode of my opinions on all that and stuff we, like. We can discuss that. I'll bring yeah. my different head. <laughs> yeah, we don't know where we don't know where it's going to land. But I'd say that for most people right now, just seeking help, almost like what we talked about before, it doesn't matter whether it's insurance or not. You're investing in your health, and that investment's going to pay off not only in your quality of life, but actually, literally, financially. I mean, a lot better than a lot of other financial investments you can make, frankly. Well, listen, you can't go wrong with your health, that's for sure. Yeah, right. It's a safe bet. <laughs> the best bet, actually. Yeah. But, but you just said, I mean, again, someone that has some bad habits. I mean, if you eat every day drunk and or you eat you know, extra meals that you shouldn't and you save money in those, I mean, you add it up, it adds up. I mean, if you save $20 a day, you do the math in a month. I mean, you can afford a lot of things. <laughs> a lot. You know? more, more than just your Ayurvedic consultation, right? Yeah, again, yeah. I mean, I, I, can, I can understand that. I mean, from a perspective. Now, some people may not be able to do it, period. But, sure. but certainly, if they do have uh, some sort of spending that they do, and they add it up. I mean, we do this in life all the time. Like, well, I want to go on vacation. I want to do this. How do I do that? And then you start working your budget, you know, and you figure out a way. And people do figure out a way. There's always a way. When you when you want it bad, you'll find a way. That's the thing. Yeah. And and most people when you face them, like, oh, I didn't think about that way. But that's because you had some sort of a block about it. Like you, well, I don't want to change, but which one do you want to go? Which way? Listen, nobody's forcing you or twisting your arm, right? <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, this is what you need to get better. Um, so all right. Um, I'm trying to think here. We've covered a lot of grounds. Uh, but, now, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 what what obstacles do you encounter as an industry today? You know, an industry to what specifically? Meaning, you obviously are an, a very unique you know approach, very unique medicine. Uh, you know, are there any pushbacks against you know the way you 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 observe medicine? I mean, I'm, ultimately you're competing against conventional medicine. Are there any type of you know uh, I guess lobbies, things like that, you know, or, or powers that kind of stop your, your, your becoming. Well, I mean, I'm not becoming, you've been there for, for, for centuries, but you know what I mean, in terms of like the yeah. today's modern world in the U.S. Yeah. And it, it, you know, there are, there are obstacles, there are pushbacks um, as there are with anything new trying to, to get in there. Um, it depends state by state. It's very different. I'm in California, which is very, um, very liberal with um, practitioners like myself. You know, I have a lot of freedom to pursue Ayurveda with people as long, of course I have to follow, you know, safe practices and all that stuff, of course. And I'd want to, whether the state required that or not, sure. but in other States in the United States, it is much stricter and actually other parts of the world as well in Europe. Um, before the show, we were talking about Europe. Mm -hmm. It is much stricter on Ayurveda. Um, and the practice and what kind of licensure you need and, and so on and so forth. And of course, there are benefits to that and there are disadvantages to that. But as a whole, I would say the biggest obstacle to Ayurveda right now is getting is myth busting cultural concepts of health and, and people opening up their minds to like, hey, maybe losing weight isn't just about burning calories. Maybe there's a lot more to it. But that's a hard thing. When you sit down and talk to someone about that, that can often be a challenging conversation because like you said, there are things they're willing to give up and there are things there aren't. That, that's a whole, there's, a whole, there's a whole underworld of that inside everyone. 
And, but that's what the, that's what the conversations are all about. So getting people to open up to a different way, a different way of looking at health, that health doesn't have to be this. Um, I'm okay. As long as I'm not in the hospital, Ayurvedically speaking, we would say, no, 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 no. Take care of it long before, you know, because the thing that starts as a little thing in 30 years is the thing that we call Parkinson's. But it started 30 years ago as this little thing that's just like, ah, yeah, whatever. I can't deal with that. You know? So I think the main obstacle is getting it inside people's hearts that it's like, you know, maybe that as a culture, we don't think about medicine in the healthiest of ways. Well, that is actually true because in, in the world that we live in, and again, I've been in the industry, I mean, the insurance world and especially managed care for over a quarter century right now. So, you know, I've, I've seen a lot, but one of the biggest thing that we've noticed all the time and it's still, you know, in play is that people go when they're sick. They don't go for preventative care. They don't go for their wellness visits. They don't go for their routine care. They wait until something's bad. And typically that one's up at the ER or maybe a hospital, you know, stay. And that's why insurance gets crazy because now it costs money. But if people really literally go in and get their care in advance, in whatever formula they want, whether it's you know you know general medicine or common medicine or alternative medicine, it doesn't matter. You can pick the choice, but at the same time, you got to do it to your point early, by by putting good habits and practices and always checking out. That leads me to the next question: um, How often someone needs to be seen by 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 a doctor uh, to get you know the result? Is it a once a month? Is it every week? I mean, is there every other day? I mean, obviously, depending on the, the circumstances and the health condition, I'm sure there's going to be a variation. But, you know, what is the minimal requirement to get someone really on a regimen and, and through a formula? Yeah, sure. So, you know, here, I'll give you like a general, very general thing. So someone comes in, we have an initial consultation. Consultation is 45 minutes to an hour, right? We really get into it, talk about everything. I get a really thorough understanding of what's going on in their life and what's going on in their history. About a week later, I like to see them again for a half an hour check and see what's working with the changes. By that time, they probably received their herbs, the herbal formula. They start taking that. Then maybe again after two weeks and maybe one more time after another two weeks. And if everything's going pretty good and they're doing well, then check-ins once every few months just to keep the ball rolling or when they have questions. That's kind of a typical. Some people, especially people who are dealing with heavy addiction, or they're dealing with severe illness, or they're dealing with a lot of, actually, frankly, a lot of weight loss people like this, not that they necessarily need it, but they like it. We'll, we will do a daily check-in for accountability purposes, not necessarily that we're altering their regimen every day, but because it really helps to have someone on the other side who's not a family member, right? Neutral, neutral to your life situation and dramas and experiences, right? Look at it and say, hey, you know, it's all good. Just take a left here instead of going right. And someone's watching and someone's got your back. And if you start to slip, I'm going to notice because I'm watching you every day. Some people like the security of that. And I think it's a great thing. Well, I, I think I agree to that because some people are hands-free and some people really are hands-on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The minute you let them go, that's it. They just can't. They need somebody constantly on top to keep them, you know, in check until they get to that point where they, oh, I see the results. Now I got this, but you're right. right. Especially in the beginning times, it's, it's rough. It's not easy. So I like yeah. it. And, but believe it or not, it's not any different from when you go to see a regular doctor. I mean, typically if you have a condition, they, they're going to see you the first time, come back in a couple of weeks, do some testing, let's come back another until they get you to a healthy point And then they say, come back every three months, <laughs> whether you're diabetic or, or any other, I mean, other type of more you know severe conditions that's exactly the same form so it's really not any different it's just a matter of maintaining that particular patient to a degree the so, difference is the amount of time that is spent with the with the client so so you know a first visit here is like i said 45 minutes to an hour doctor's office i think the average these days is about six minutes well actually that's a big to your point that's a whole topic we can discuss and you're right. I mean, in, in most of the clinics and, and, the, and the physician's offices now, 
if you're lucky, you get 10, 15 minutes with a doctor. That's that's you know, even some of the better practices now. You're talking about 20 minutes, uh, and, right. and frankly, some doctors actually are better than others. I mean, they'll take the time, especially if they have certain conditions and things like that. But you're right; it's it's more of a commercialized version. I mean, you come in, there's there's 10 people waiting on the waiting. Room. I mean, with COVID, it's a little different, so we get less of that now. But prior to COVID, I mean, people were lined up, you know, in the waiting room for, for, for hours. You have a waiting time. You know, sometimes you wait for an appointment to get it. That's another. Now, they have some specialized medicine now, uh, which is like concierge medicine. You're probably familiar with that, where people actually can book their own, but you pay for that. That's similarly when you go into a private practice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's it just depends on what you need. Um, but I found that a lot, especially now, especially now, but it's always been true that connection, the, the feeling that the person gets when they can relax and, and talk, you know, communicate, make eye contact, like all those things really say like, you know, you know, this, this is the story. This is my history and not feel like, okay, I have a list. And if I don't get through all these points, then, you know, the doctor's not going to understand what's going on and I'm screwed. Those are two very different states that a person enters into. And the, the first state I described is back to that parasympathetic state. A lot of times that connection, someone walks out of the office feeling better just by talking. I, I believe it or not, that is a big deal. I mean, talking about something that is bothering you is a relief. <laughs> yes. Everybody uses that. I mean, it's really, you talk about it. I mean, it's, we all know about that, but but to your point, applying that in the medicine, you know, medicinal term, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And sometimes- just talking to someone, no, don't worry about it. Though. Like, it eases your pain. Like your mind's playing games with you. Oh my God, this is the end. I don't know what's going on. And it could be nothing. Right. <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, but again, it's that same combination, mind, body, uh, but you need an expert to highlight that. And that's where you guys come in. So, so, I mean, we're coming to the end of the show here and I really, I'd love to continue. <laughs> maybe we'll do a second sequel here, you know, for, sure. for maybe other pieces of the, 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 the discussion. But so, so one question I wanted to ask earlier, and we just skipped on it. How did you get into all this? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a good story. So I was, I'll tell the short version. Um, I was 18. I started getting this nagging pain in my left shoulder. Like not, not that bad, right? So not like, not like, oh my God, I'm out for the count. But just nagging, just enough not to be serious, but not enough so that I could ignore it. So, you know, I didn't know at this point, I was completely ignorant of the world of Ayurveda, Eastern medicine, anything. I had no idea. So I live with it. I live with it as many people do. I go to college. I do the thing. I do what I do. I engage in habits I would never engage in today um, and all that stuff. And I'm occasionally seeing doctors along the way. And, you know, I'm not trying to knock doctors. They just aren't set up for that kind of thing. At least in my world, they weren't. I went to UCLA hospital and I saw, you know, at first they sent me to physical therapy, which I'm a big believer in, by the way, physical therapy is great, but for me, it didn't help. Um, so I went to a neurologist and the neurologist did all the, you know, I got the MRI and the thing and the thing, you know, the whole thing. And he was like, look, we don't know exactly what's going on. And he told me the truth. He was very honest. He was like, I'm sorry, but I got like severe cases I'm dealing with, you know, like people who really need immediate attention, like emergency room, you know, hardcore stuff. Uh, basically you're either going to have to go on painkillers or you're going to need to get surgery. Right. So at this point, I think I was 20 years old and I was like, there is no way there is no way. Right. I'm not going to get on painkillers at the age of 20 for God knows how long. And I'm not going to go get surgery. I know what happens with this kind of stuff, right? It's undefined. You don't really know. You go in and, you know, it either doesn't get better, it gets worse. And then it's, you're, you're already going to get booked for another surgery. Not going to do it. So at that point, I started opening up to new options. So actually someone suggested I go take a yoga class. So I went to a yoga class around my college and I realized how tense and tight my body was you know, and how poorly I was breathing. And I scheduled a private session with the yoga teacher. And I said, Hey, here's what I got going on. What can you do for me? She looked me up and down. She assessed my body and she said, okay, you're going to do these three postures. So I did them two weeks later, completely gone, never came back. Pain was gone. Right. So 
That was great. I was over the moon about that, but I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a whole world out there that I don't know about, right? If that was that effective, I mean, literally with like a few minutes of exercises a day, doing that versus surgery versus painkillers, come on, right? So I started exploring all about it. Eventually, I met my yoga teacher, who's still my yoga teacher to this day. He introduced me to Ayurveda, which I'd never heard of at the age of 24. I was like, I'm in. I left my real estate career. I started studying Ayurveda, and now I'm here talking to you. Wow. That's pretty interesting. But again, you got exposed to it, and uh, you saw the results, and that was it. A change of, of a path. Wow. That was it. Well, listen, Victor, it's been a, a real, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Victor, we are here. Uh, a very, very uh, interesting conversation and a, a whole different, you know, outlook at, at how we can get better in terms of both mind and body. Uh, again, so the description of, of you know, the profile on, on Victor and, and his practice is in the show uh, description, uh, the link to the site as well. So please check out, you know, his his practice again he is he can do this you know from a distance so he can do it whatever you are in the world right now <laughs> yeah thanks zoom and and, and all these uh, these uh, virt virtual type of you know presentation pieces that we can use these days so um that is that is awesome and uh, yeah, right you can do this doesn't matter someone wants in you know, they can they can seek your help and you i mean you make me feel like almost i want to call you <laughs> and talk <laughs> hey let's talk man <laughs> you know, yeah just for the sake of it just to try it i mean i love this stuff you know so but but certainly for anyone listening and or watching the show today or later uh listen it's an alternative medicine another way to look at things definitely works you know we have some real stories and real testimonials and real practice here so so check it out and um let's see maybe this will be the the item and the piece that you were missing in life you know and that's the other thing that's really the purpose of what we are on the show here is to bring in things that can uh, assist us in whether health, mental, physical, and you know even lifestyle. Uh, so, Victor, it was a true pleasure having you on the call on on, on the the show today, and um, you know look forward maybe to a second one. <laughs> so we'll talk okay. about that later, and um, you know that's about it. So, folks, um, thank you for watching the iHealth channel and Fit and Fab channel as well as listening on iHealth Radio. Uh, we'll be talking tomorrow for a new show. <laughs>